Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Hallelujah. Go with me, if you will, to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. I want to talk to you this morning on the subject of labels and limits. Labels and limits. You know, we're people, we love to label stuff. We love to label stuff. We love to, to label something. Label creates a, an expectation. Labels give us an idea of, of what something does or, or, or what something can do or what something will be or what you can expect it to do in your life. And when you see a label, you know, there's a lot of money that goes into advertisement a lot of money that goes into just presentation, right? Advertisement sells. Sometimes I'll buy stuff just because the label looks good. I'm, tr- I'm serious. You know, I, I do a little bit of graphic design work, a little bit of artistic work, and so I, I value good design. I value something that has a good presentation to it, and I don't know what it does. I don't know why I need it. I don't know what prevent, what benefits going to provide to my life, but it looks good. It looks sharp. Man, they put a lot of thought into that. They put a lot of care and attention. It must be a good product, and it turns out as I never needed it. It provides no benefit to my life whatsoever. In fact, I hate it, but it looked good. There's a lot that goes into labels, and, 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 and labels can be good. Labels can, can help us create an expectation, but the problem is, is sometimes the label becomes the limit. Sometimes the labels in our life become the limit or the box that we put it in. You know, uh, you know going back to my reference, my example there, you know, I didn't know what benefit the, the product provided. The, the label didn't do a good job of telling me exactly what it does. It was just a catchy design and something that was eye-popping, and, and, and so I thought I needed it. But then come to find out, I had an expectation of something based on the label that it didn't stay within. It didn't provide that benefit. It didn't do what I thought it would do for me. And so what we have to be careful of is with the labels in our lives, that we don't allow it to create a box or a limitation that we only have that expectation of it. I get asked all the time, and I'm sure you do as you're inviting people to church, right? You're inviting people to church. Everybody's like, yeah, I do that all the time. I just talked to three people this week. Um, I know you are, and, and probably you get the same question that I get. What kind of church is it? What kind of church is this? What, 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 what do y'all do? You know, they're, what are they trying to get? They're trying to get an expectation. They're trying to get an expectation. I'm going to change my answer, though, because I have found it doesn't matter how I answer you. All I'm doing is creating an image and a perception that you're going to go back. You're going to create your own box, and you're going to create your own limitation. You know, we have these boxes. They're called denominations, right? We, we, call, we use a big spiritual-sounding word, real important-sounding word, denomination. What denomination? You know what that word really means? Preference. That's all that means. Are you of the spirit-filled preference? 
Are you of the, the getting people born again preference? Are you of the uh, worship preference? Are you of the Bible-based teaching preference? Are you of the go and share uh, preference? Are you of the waiting for Jesus to come preference? What, what preference are you? That's, that's really all that means. And the second I give you a word or give you a label, it immediately creates a box that you put me in, that you put us in. I'm going to change my answer. I'm not going to tell you what kind of church we are. My new answer is this. Come and check us out. Because I have found the greatest way to break the barrier of expectation is experience. Just come experience it. Just come experience it. People ask me all the time, how come you don't put your doctrinal statements and doctrinal beliefs uh, you know, on your website? You know, I visited your website and I didn't... No, we tell you to come. We tell you how to come. We tell you when we're going to be here. We give you a a roundabout idea of how long we're going to be here. We give you, uh, uh, you know, an an overview of our background and our history and and how you can get connected and, and how you can move forward with us, what our vision is about. But the only way you can really find out what Anchor Faith Church is all about is you have to come. And you are not going to define us on black and white letters uh, on, a, on, a, on a website or on a pamphlet or on a book. We're going to tell you you belong here. We're going to tell you that we have a vision. We're going to tell you that we have purpose. We're going to tell you that we are advancing the kingdom of God. But beyond that, you, we're not going to give you boxes to put us in. And I believe Jesus did the same thing. I believe Jesus broke out of every stinking box that the people tried to put him in. They tried to put labels on him. They tried to put, you know, one one guy came and said, good teacher, good teacher. He said, why you call me good? There's no one good but the Father. You don't even know what good is, and you're trying to put a label on me of good. Most of the times, the labels that we're putting on stuff, we don't even know what it is. We don't even know what it is that we're expecting. You know, we tried to get away from that by calling ourselves non-denominational. <laughs> but now, non-denominational is its own box. That's all that it is. It's just another box. Interdenominational. We've tried that one. Nope. Another box. I tell you, if you keep living your life by boxes, you're going to continue to be dissatisfied with the product. You're going to continue to be, why? Because God wants to break out of labels. God wants to break you out of limitations. God wants to break you out of boxes that, and look, see, labels create safety. Boxes create safety. See, people want to ask me, what kind of church are you? This is why they're asking. I don't want to be uncomfortable. If somebody starts praying in tongues, I'm not, I'm not too keen on that. I, I, I've never been in that type of environment. I've had people tell me, I didn't know you were that kind of church. When I say we're a spirit-filled church, most people immediately go, oh, one of those tongue-talking churches that throws church, uh, chairs around and pin you down to the altar and keep you there as long as we want. I mean, you're, you're only going to your experience. Are we a spirit-filled church? I said, are we a spirit-filled church? Those of you that know us, yeah. But have we broken your barrier? Have we broken your box 
of what you thought a spirit-filled church had to be? Absolutely. I mean, I've had spirit-filled people looking for a spirit-filled church come to me, come to me and say, I thought you were a spirit-filled church. Well, what told you we weren't? Your box? Your label? Your limit? Because you didn't hear five people argue and 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 and, and crying out and, and screaming out across the sanctuary, you know, or, you know, trying to scream out, uh, you know, outdo the other one. I've been in those services. Whoever talks the loudest gets the tongue. <laughs> Y'all been there too. Look, there's some boxes I'm glad that I broke free from. There's some labels I'm glad I, I don't have to stick to. Because that wasn't God's intention. That wasn't God's purpose. God's purpose is never to put you in a box. God is trying to break you out of boxes. He's trying to break you out of labels. He's trying to break you beyond limitations. He's trying to exceed expectations. See, see, Mary and Martha had Jesus in a box of a healer. If you will come before he dies, you can heal my brother Lazarus. And because Jesus didn't come before he died and he ended up dying, he didn't fit within their box of raising the dead yet. But see, he needed them to break free from that box, he needed them to believe that I'm the God that can even raise the dead. Because in six months, I'm going in the grave. And I need you to believe that in three days, like I told you, I'm coming back up out of that thing. And I need you to believe that I can. And so if I can do it in four days for Lavernus, you know I can do it in three days for myself. I'm trying to break the box. He's the healer if you can get to me. Jesus marveled at the the faith of a centurion that said, you don't need to come lay hands on him. I believe you can break the box and you can just speak the word only and my servant will be. That's a box-breaking belief system. Do we have any box-breaking believers in the house today? Do we have any believers in the house that believe God can exceed your expectations? Will you let him out of the box? Will you let him do more than you expected him to? Or are you going to slap a label on him? And he has to stay in your box. In Exodus chapter 2, we're going to be introduced to a man that was practically born in a box. Verse 1, and a man of the house of Levi went and looked as wife, uh, took as wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. She hid him for three months. This is the story of Moses. And Moses was born into a world where he was had to be hidden. By this time, God's people... The Israelites have been handed over to the Egyptians as slaves. They're living as slaves. They're living in the box, in the the label, the limitation of we are slaves to another country. We are slaves to another people. And the Pharaoh of that time was noticing how strong the Israelites were growing, how plentiful they were in in, in, in making children, bearing children. And, and it was to a great degree because God's hand was still upon them. I'm telling you, even in slavery, God's hand is still upon you. Even when you seem bound, there's still a, a potential within you. You could still outdo your adversary. Well, Pharaoh and the Egyptians became threatened by this. And so they said, you know what, here's what we're going to do. 
We're going to get rid of all the males. Kill all the males that are born, the male Israelite children. Keep the women. They'll become useful. They'll become purposeful as slaves. But get rid of the men. Because if they keep growing at this number, one day they're going to overtake us. See, the enemy is more afraid of you than you are of him. But if he can break your mind, he can break your will. And if you bow to the label the enemy tries to put on you, you'll never be able to accomplish the unlimited, the untapped potential that God has in your life. Even as slaves, they were stronger than their adversary. Because of the threatening uh, 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 growth of the Israelites, Pharaoh at that time said, get rid of all the males. And so this Israelite baby is born, and she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the riverbank. So now he's gone from being hidden at home. Couldn't do that for much longer. Could only imagine how uh, uh, the struggle was to, to hide a baby. Babies don't like to stay hidden, do they? Babies make noise. Babies don't stay quiet. Okay, got to be quiet. They, they don't follow those instructions. I've tried. I've got a 10-month-old at home. He don't, he don't listen to that instruction. Shh. They get louder. They do the exact opposite of what you're telling them to do. But in verse 4, it says, His sister stood at a distance in order to see what would happen to him. Verse 5, Pharaoh's daughter went down to bathe at the Nile while her servant girls walked along the riverbank. She saw the basket, so he went from hiding at home to hiding in a basket. She saw the basket among the reeds, sent her slave girl, took it, opened it, and saw him, the child, and there he was, a little boy crying. She felt sorry for him and said, this is one of the Hebrew boys immediately identified that this was one of the Israelite children, one of the Hebrew boys. This is an Egyptian woman, a daughter of Pharaoh himself, identifying that this is one of the Hebrew children, one of the Israelite children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, should I go and call a Hebrew woman who is nursing to nurse the boy for you? This is so uh, 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 powerful. Go, Pharaoh's daughter told her. So the girl went and called the boy's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child and nurse him for me, and I will pay your wages. And all the mothers in the room say, How did I miss out on that deal? How did I miss out on getting paid to raise my own child? (laughs) Where's the compensation? Why aren't they offering that, that, that deal anymore? I will pay your wages. So the woman took the boy and nursed him. And when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses. She named him Moses. Pharaoh's daughter named him Moses. Not even his own mom named him Moses. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. You know, a lot of times the labels that we put on um, are, are simply based on 
our experiences. People want to label you based upon what they've seen you go through, what they see you doing. See, see, we only have the ability to give you a label based upon what you have done and what you are doing. We only have the ability to label you based on your past and based on your present. There's only one person in this entire world that has the ability to label you based on your future. And that's God. Who are you listening to in your life that's giving you labels? Who are you listening to? Who are you giving the power of the label to in your life? Family? Maybe it's experience. Maybe it's something you've been through. We go through all kinds of labels. Addict. Loser. Divorce. We've all got crazy labels in our lives. Some of us, we, we use the successes and victories of our lives to create a label. And that is still a limitation over you. Even your successes and your victories don't have the power to properly label what God has put inside of you. Because God labels you based on your future, not your past and not your present. I go through the word of God and I see God labeling people, not according to what they have done, not according to what they are doing, but according to what they will do, according to the capacity and the potential that he put in their life. And until you know your creator, until you know your designer, nobody ever has the power to put a label on you that is sufficient. Not even you. The only way I, not even your pastor, I can't put a label on you except by the Spirit of God. When I speak to your future, when I speak to your potential, I'm speaking to you by the power of the Spirit of God. I don't even have the ability, but the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit's got labels for you you don't even know about yet. The Holy Spirit's got labels for you that aren't going to be based on experience. We're not going to name you by something temporary. We're not going to name you by something that happened in your past. But God is naming you by something you haven't even seen yet, experienced yet, gone through yet, broken through yet. God wants to call the addict free. God wants to call the defeated victorious. God wants to call the poor rich. Let the weak say that I am strong. Let the sick say I am healed. That's what God came to do. God came to give you a new label. And it's going to contradict and challenge everything you've ever experienced in your life. But who are you allowing to name you? In this season, who, are, who or what are you allowing to name you? She became his mother. He became her son. She named him Moses she, because she said, I drew him out of the water. So he goes from hiding at home to hiding in a basket. Watch this. Now he goes to hiding in a palace. Moses was born with an identity crisis. Some of us were too. Some of us were too. Came into this world never knowing who we really were. This is a Hebrew man, an Israelite, one of God's people, growing up 
in an Egyptian palace as an Egyptian. He's already living a double standard. He's living in the home of his adversary. He's living in the very structure that houses his enemy. His people are enslaved to the Egyptians. And here he is given Egyptian freedoms. Given a lifestyle that he should not be able to live to. He should not be able to enjoy. Here's what I know. Here's what I know about the world. Here's what I know about the society we live in right now. Here's what I know about our culture. They would be more than happy to welcome you into their family and call you their own. And you live according to their standard, even though you were called to live above it. Because living as God's people, as slaves, is still far greater than living in the palace of your enemy. Because only one was promised freedom. Only one was promised deliverance. Only one was promised to come out of this thing on top. I see people every day living in the palace of their enemy. Enjoying the freedoms. Look, the enemy will allow you to enjoy his freedoms that he lets you have. He will let you live just free enough to think that he cares about you. Oh, yeah, he will. While you're bound, while you're stuck. But he'll give you just enough rope. The enemy will give you just enough benefit, just enough privilege. Oh, he sure will. Bible says even sin seems fun for a while, seems good for a while. But in the end, it leads to destruction. How many times do we give up the permanent for the temporal? How many times do we compromise the great plan God has for us because of the benefit and the enjoyment of the now? That's how the enemy operates. He'll satisfy you now, but he'll leave you empty tomorrow. And he'll keep you running back every time. Keep you coming back every time. Broken, bound, dependent upon him. No, that's not not how God operates. That's not how God operates. But I see the world placing labels on people All the time. And they bow to it and they live to it and they limit the potential that God has placed inside of them because they're enjoying the benefits that their adversary is providing them. So this is the thing. This is the thing. Is that Moses, Moses has a purpose on his life. Moses has a call on his life. Moses has divine destiny on his life. But it's being compromised because of his current identity. See, your identity and how you see yourself houses your purpose. Houses what you were called to do. Houses who you were called to be. And when our identity is conflicted, when we don't correctly see our identity the way God sees it, 
then we can never live up to and perform what God has for us. It's impossible for me to walk out the plan and purpose of God for my life with an incorrect identity of my life. He's a Hebrew living as an Egyptian. He's a Hebrew living as an Egyptian. He's in the wrong environment. He's, he's, he's at the utmost identity crisis of his life. He knows what he is inwardly, but what he is living outwardly does not reflect who he is inwardly. This is a glimpse of us as believers when God has called you out of darkness into light, but you continue to carry on the identity of the world. You continue to carry their labels. You are set free, but live bound. I see too many Christians moved and operating by fear today. Fear. Whatever, whatever you are afraid of controls you, dictates your life, determines your steps. It, it, it controls the way of life that you live and that you allow yourself. And there's too many Christians bound by fear because they know who they are internally, but they're living according to things externally. And the two come into conflict. The two come into conflict. You, you can run from your identity, but you cannot run from your purpose. You can run from your identity, but you cannot run for your purpose. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 11, it says, years later, after Moses had grown up, he went out to his own people. So he knows, he knows I'm a Hebrew. He knows I'm really an Israelite living in the palace of an Egyptian, being raised as an Egyptian. I, I know who I am on the inside, but I'm living contrary to that on the outside. And after he had grown up, he went out to his own people and observed their forced labor. He saw an Egyptian striking a Hebrew. Two separate identities. He saw an Egyptian striking a Hebrew, one of his people. Looking all around, and seeing no one, he struck the Egyptian dead and hid him in the sand. Now, we know later, you know the end of the story. You know Moses is the deliverer of Israel. And right here, we see him carrying out a function of his purpose, but with the wrong identity. He's carrying out a function. See, here's the thing. Even when you have your identity confused, you will see glimpses of your purpose come out. Oh, I see it all the time. I see people all the time going through this struggle of, of this, this purpose is bumping up. Eventually, you, you cannot outrun. You can outrun your identity. You can wear all the labels, wear all the hats, become all the things externally. But eventually, you will have to come face to face with the purpose for which you were created for. Eventually, you will have to stand face to face with why God put you in this planet. And I see it all the time. And they don't know it's there their purpose because they don't have the right identity. They don't know. He's carrying out a function of his purpose, but with the wrong identity. That's not how God wanted him to do it. 
That's not how God wanted him to perform his purpose. By going out and slaying a bunch of Egyptians. That's why your identity is so important. Before God gave man assignment, he gave him identity. Because if you don't know your identity, you will compromise your assignment. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. That's identity. And let them have dominion and rule. That's assignment. That's purpose. But before you can fully, successfully carry out your purpose, you must know who you are. What's your name? What's your label? What's your box? What's your limitation? What what standards are you living up to? See, whoever raises you determines the standards by which you live. Whatever environment you, 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 we are a, a, a product of our environment. Whatever environment you allow yourself to be raised in, that determines the values and the standards that you grow up and keep and the principles that you follow. But now here he is in a conflict. Now, he, now here he is where his identity clashes with his purpose. Why did he look around to make sure no one was looking? Why is he trying to do it in secret? Why is he trying to do it in hiding? But now watch this in verse 13. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. So now we've got two Hebrews, two of his own people fighting one another. And he asked the one in the wrong, why are you attacking your neighbor? Watch this in verse 14. Who made you a commander and judge over us? The man replied, are you planning to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Of course, nobody at this time knows that Moses is going to be the deliverer of the Hebrews. Moses himself doesn't even know he's going to be the deliverer. It's it's starting to come out of him. He's starting to have a compassion for his people. He's starting to see that the the labor and the slavery and and, and, and the intense rule that is over them is restricting them. And and he's starting to have a burning. See, your passion, your purpose, it's hidden in there. It's in there. You can't get away from it. You can push it away. You can decide not to walk it out, sure. But it will come out at some point. But here's the thing. Immediately, these two Hebrew men put a label on him. Why? Because he identified as an Egyptian to them. He identified as an Egyptian to them. He identified as an adversary to them. They didn't see who he really was. They didn't see his purpose. See, you can never leave your purpose at the mercy of others' expectations. You cannot leave your purpose. They, again, they don't have the ability, they don't have the capacity to believe in him according to his future. They can only see his past and his present. Who made you to be a ruler and a commander? They simply identified, you're up in that palace. Don't try to act like one of us. Don't try to act like you, you, you've come to set us free. Don't try to act like you've come to deliver us. You're one of those Egyptian guys. We know who you are. 
the identity clashing with purpose. What they see on the outside clashing with who he really is on the inside. And now he's even starting to carry out a function of what God has called him to do. But without the proper identity, he doesn't see it. They don't see it. And it's a label. Who made you commander? That's a label. Who made you ruler? Who made you judge? It's a label. And the label has become a limitation for what they can receive. And now knowing that people know about what he did, Moses decides to run. Moses decides to flee Egypt and finds himself in a land that he doesn't know. He finds himself in a land that is foreign to him. This whole time, all growing up, he's done nothing but hide. Hide from his purpose and hide from his identity and hide from who he really is. He's used the facade uh, of being hid for the first three months of his life. He's used the facade of being uh, placed in a basket hidden uh, as he's placed down that river. He even used the facade of the palace to hide who he truly was. And now he runs right back to what he's always known. I've got to hide. I've got to run. See, when you don't know your true identity, you find yourself hiding from who you really are. Hiding becomes your way of life. Hiding becomes the way that you respond to things. Hiding becomes, I'm hiding behind this and I'm hiding behind that. I'm, we're hiding behind Instagram and we're hiding behind Facebook and hiding behind these pictures of false realities and these videos of false living. And we're hiding, we're always trying to hide who we really are. If people really find out who we really are, I have to maintain the label. I have to keep the label. I have to keep the exterior. I have to wear the shell. I've got to remain in the basket. I've got to hide behind the facades. We come up with all kinds of labels, all kinds of facades, all kinds of barriers to keep people from really discovering who we are. We're hiding from the things that we hate about ourselves. We're hiding from the things, or we're hiding the things that we don't anybody we don't want anybody to know. But let me tell you what else you're hiding. You're hiding your purpose. You're hiding your destiny. You're hiding the plan of God. You're compromising his plan in your life. You're walking away, running away, hiding from the very thing he's called you to be. And while you're so busy hiding the stuff you don't like, compromising the actual purpose and plan of God in our lives. Trying to live up to other people's labels. Trying to maintain these barriers. Trying to keep the facades. In Exodus chapter 2 verse 15 it says, when Pharaoh heard about this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian and sat down by a well. Went to a land where nobody knew him. Went to a land where he would be a nobody. Went to a land where he can recreate himself. But here's the thing. If you didn't have identity before you got there, you won't gain your identity when you get there. All you'll do is you'll allow the next place to create a new identity for you. That doesn't change the habit. 
I've seen people do it. I've seen people, well, I'm just going to leave this job and go to this next one. I'm going to leave this family and go to this next one. I've seen people move geographically, but still never gain who God has called them to be. And all they do is they allow the next place to create new labels for them. They still live at the mercy of what other people think. Going to a new place does not give you a new identity. Going to a new place doesn't change your purpose, doesn't change who God called you to be. It says the priest of Midian had seven daughters and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Then some shepherds arrived and drove them away, but Moses came to their rescue and watered their flock. A second time we see the purpose of Moses starting to bud forth, starting to come out. The deliverer who Moses is called to be. I'm telling you, you can run away from your identity, but you can't run from your purpose. It'll keep trying to come out. It'll keep trying to show its face. It'll keep trying to push through. It'll keep trying. And it's only until you give into it. It's only until you discover who you really are. Will you really truly let your purpose come forth? But in the second instance in his life, in one chapter that we're reading, we see him delivering someone again. He delivered them. He rescued them. He couldn't outrun it. Verse 18, when they returned to their father, Ruel, he asked, why have you come back so quickly today? They answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. So where is he? He asked his daughters. Why then did you leave the man behind? Invite him to eat dinner. And Moses agreed to stay with the man. And he gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. She gave birth to a son whom he named Gershom. For he said, watch this, I have been a resident alien in a foreign land. Now he's naming his son based upon his current situation. Oh, it's so dangerous when we give permanent names, permanent labels to temporary situations. He's naming, and he's not just talking about residing in Midian. His whole life, he has felt out of place. His whole life, he has felt, I have been in places I don't belong. I am residing as an alien in a place that I don't even know. He's talking about his entire life. From birth, all he's been doing is hiding. All he's been doing is running. All he's been doing is avoiding who he really is. And now he names his son based upon his current predicament, based upon his current. Again, another label is being slapped on. And we do the same thing. We name situations. We name things based upon where we're at today. Based upon what's happening right now. We get so caught up in it. But it's only until we come into contact with the creator, the designer, the one that gave you purpose, the one that gave you destiny, the one that gave you 
your identity. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7, we know about the burning bush. We know that Moses is called by God through this burning bush that doesn't burn, it's not consumed. He starts having this conversation with God. And in verse 7, the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt. Again, Moses is still on the run. Moses is that alien residing in a foreign land. Moses is saying, I feel out of place. Moses is trying to find his place. He's trying to find. And some people like to live in that place. Nobody knows me. Nobody has any expectations of me. Nobody's putting labels on me. Did you notice how when he delivered those daughters of the priest, they were excited about his delivering them? But when he delivered the the Hebrews, they weren't. You ever notice that sometimes it's the people that know nothing about you that see the most in you? But the ones closest to you have the hardest time seeing the purpose and plan of God on your life? Have you ever noticed that? It's the ones that are, it's our family that have the hardest time seeing what God could do in your life. But those daughters, they saw a deliverer. Those daughters saw someone that could set people free. Those daughters saw someone that could, that, that could rescue while his own people rejected him. and said, what are you going to be, just another commander and ruler and judge over us? See, this is why you can't live at the mercy of people's labels. Jesus didn't live this way. Jesus went back to his own hometown. Jesus went back to Nazareth, and they rejected him. Isn't this Mary's son? Don't we know his brothers and sisters? Who is this guy? Who does he think he is? Performing all the, we see what you're doing but we can't reconcile with who's doing it. We see what you're performing, but we can't reconcile with your ability and capacity to do it. We see the purpose coming out, but it's in the wrong identity. It's in the wrong suit. And if you live at the mercy of other people's labels, you live at their limitations. You live at their limitations. You live to their expectations. You live to what they think about you. And oh, do we have a people today that are so concerned with what other people think about them. I'll go a step further. Some of us are allowing the world to redefine who we are. We are allowing the world to redefine who we're supposed to be. The attack on identity today is so strong. The attack on your identity, why? Because your identity houses your purpose. And if I can conceal your purpose in the wrong identity, you will never fulfill it. You'll never carry it out. You'll never perform or live up to the potential that God has put in you. You'll never operate at the capacity to which God designed you to live. If I could just be bold enough to say it, there is an epidemic in this world, in this nation, 
I'm going to go even closer than that in this area, in the south of what a man is. And it's absolute garbage, and I'm sick and tired of it. It's disgusting. It's ab- that's the only word I can even come up with it. Absolutely disgusting to see how the world and society has reshaped and brainwashed men. The pride is appalling. It's horrible. I know men that would be more embarrassed to be found reading their Bible than watching porn. Absolutely. To be be caught raising their hands in service, singing along to a song, worshiping their God with all their heart. David was a man after God's own heart. And he was a warrior with a sword in one hand, chopping heads off. And he was a worshiper with a harp in his other hand, singing songs to his Lord, down on his face, repentant. We have got to change what makes a man in this society today. And I'm not talking about being hard and being prideful and being arrogant and being the leader. I'm talking about one that can bow their knee to their God, that can submit to the word. Get in the word of God. It's nobody else's responsibility to make you a man than you yourself. You don't need a men's group. You don't need a Bible study. You don't need connection. You need to get in the Word of God, read the Word of God, obey the Word of God, put the principles of the Word of God into practice in your life. Quit giving your kids your commands and start giving your kids God's commands. We need fathers and dads that care about the spiritual upbringing of their children. Your wife should not be begging you to take the family to church. That is utmost garbage. Where are the leaders of the home at? Where are the priests of the home at? Where are the fathers of the home at? Where are the ones that are going to rise up and say, no matter what, this is what, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I'm done with the society where the women are 10 times more spiritual than the men. I'm sick of it. It's got to change. It's the wrong identity. And your purpose is strained and compromised. And you're not accomplishing anybody, impressing anybody with the numbers and the the CEOs and the titles and the businesses and the organizations and the coaching. You're not impressing anybody with that. Be a man of God and get in the word of God. Bow your knee to your creator and get to know who you are supposed to be as a man. You want to know how we change this world? It starts in the home. And you know where it starts in the home? With the fathers. Fatherlessness is the problem we have in this nation. And I'm not just talking about the fathers that are not in the home. We've got absentee fathers that are right there in the same square footage doing nothing about their spiritual investment in the homes. It's got to change got to change because your purpose 
I don't know how many times over the years. I couldn't even count them. Wives calling, emailing, reaching out, trying to get their husbands to rise up and be the man of God they know they can be. But I can count on less than one hand how many times I've had that conversation with the husband concerned about their wife. It's got to stop. It's got to stop. It's got to stop. In the name of Jesus, it will stop. Because I break that curse over this society. And I break that curse over the stronghold over this region in the name of Jesus. I come against it by the authority of the living God. That men will rise up, discover who they are as children of God. And be the fathers and the dads and the men and the business owners and the employers and the employees that they're called to be. They'll be the coaches and the teachers and the advocates in the name of Jesus. Your purpose is bound in your identity. So Moses comes face to face with his God, with his creator, for the first time. Lives nearly 80 years hiding, running, avoiding. The Lord says, I've observed the misery of my people. Verse 8, I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 9, so because of the Israelites, cry for help has come to me. I have also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, go. I am sending you. You know, the beginning of this conversation, you know, Moses is thinking, great, you're finally going to do something about this. We've been hearing about the delivering. We've been hearing about the setting free. We've been hearing about them coming out. We've been hearing about this breakthrough. Finally, you're going to do something. But then he gets the word, therefore, go. Therefore, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Of all the people God could have called, of all the people God could have assigned, he follows the template of choosing and picking the least likely of candidates, the least likely qualified, who could carry out this function? Who could carry out this purpose? Who could really fulfill this assignment? You mean the guy with the identity crisis? You mean with the Hebrew that grew up as an Egyptian? You mean the kid that has spent his entire life in hiding from birth all the way to 80 years? He went from hiding in his home to hiding in a basket to hiding in his palace to hiding as a shepherd. All he's doing is hiding. All he's lived at is hiding. And every time somebody's tried to put a label on him, every time somebody's tried to, try, tried to identify him, it's always been the wrong identity because he didn't know his true identity. And if you don't know your true identity, nobody else can give you identity. And so his purpose is being, that's the guy? That's the one. I'm sending you 
to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Verse 11, but Moses asked God, who am I? That's always the question. See, when you don't know your identity, when the assignment is revealed, it's the first thing you go to. People that don't know their identity, when you're given an assignment, the first question you ask is, who am I? Who am I? Right? Because who I am determines what I do. Who I am determines what I'm capable of. Who I am. It's no wonder the man that has been confused about his identity his entire life, the first three questions he would ask God with a burning bush that's consuming and God is speaking through and he's calling him. The very first question Moses asks, who am I? And guess what? We're all asking the same question. We're all asking the same question. God starts to give you little glimpses of your purpose. God starts to show you a little bit of what he's calling you to do, what, what he's, the potential he's playing. And the first thing we try to do is reconcile it with who am I? And if you've been living with the confused, disgruntled, disproportionate identity all your life, you will never reconcile that this person could do this thing that this person is capable of performing this function. And you'll, you will buck against and jerk against and reject the very calling of God on your life because I can't reconcile how I could do that with this identity. How could I perform that function? Who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He answered, I will certainly be with you. And this will be the sign to you that I am the one who sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship God at this mountain. Then Moses asked God, he's asking a lot of questions. If I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you. Look, look at what he's concerned with. And if they ask me, what is his name? What is his label? What is his identity? What is his limitation? Because if I can label it, then I can expect. What's the label, God? What's the name? See, Moses has been so consumed with what you name it, what you call it, what you say it is, because what you say it is determines what it can do. It's all wrapped up in it. So God, what, what do I name it? What do I call it? How do I label it? The two questions he asked, who am I and who are you? 
two questions he asked God. The first two questions he asked God were consumed with identity, are consumed because I've been living in hiding. I don't even know. Am I an Egyptian? I'm a, am I a Hebrew? A, am I a deliverer? Because I, I tried to deliver these people and it didn't work out. Then I came over to this foreign land, delivered these people. And they're like, whoa, look at this deliverer. Look at this rescuer. Guy got to marry one of the girls. And now I've I've had a son, and I named my son. I'm just a sojourner. I'm just a traveler. I'm an alien in a foreign land. I don't even know who I am, and I don't know who you. What do I name it? What do I call it? If they ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? A little passive-aggressive. If they ask, no, he's really asking for himself. What is your name? I need to know who you are. I need to know what you call yourself. I need to know what your label is. I need to know what the expectation is. I need to know what the limitation is. And look at God's response in verse 14. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Oh, that's not an answer you give to someone that's struggling with an identity crisis. That's a little too vague for someone that's really needing to know some identity stuff. That's the wrong response, God. Uh, You don't know this guy. Uh, This guy's been running, hiding, avoiding. He's been uh, hiding behind the facades of a palace and baskets, and and now he's in a foreign land trying to create a new identity for himself, and and people have tried to label him, and it didn't work out. We we need some more description. We need some more descriptiveness. We need to to add some, some, some more oomph to this thing. Come on, I am who I am. You tell them, I am, I am what? I I am blank. I I am the deliverer. I am the healer. I am God. I am the, give me, I, I am doesn't work. Go to work next week and just say, oh, I am. Go, go sign your name, I am. That's not identity. No, Moses is looking for a label. And what does God do? He doesn't give him one. Because God is labelless. God is limitless. He says, No, 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 Moses. You you've been living your life searching for labels. You've been living your life looking for limits. You've been living your life trying to find the box you fit in. You've been living your life trying to find where you fit. And you've been running and hiding and, and being hid in this and being hid in that. You, you, you've, been, you've been struggling. I am removing that barrier off of your life. You tell them, I am sent you. And there's no limit to I am. And there's no box to I am. And there's no sphere that you're going to stick me in because I'm going to do things that are going to blow your mind. And this is the thing is he shows Moses not who he is. He shows Moses who God is. And the key is, is you will never discover your identity until you first discover 
His. The most important identity you need to discover in your life is not yours, but His. Because when you find His and you find out I'm made in His image and whatever He can do, I can do. It's not about who you are. It's about who goes with you. He said, I will be with you. I will be with you in front of Pharaoh. I will be with you in front of the Israelites. I'll be with you in front of the Red Sea. I'll be with you when the water comes out of the rock. I'll be with you when you face enemies you've never seen. I'll be with you when you cross into the promised land. Everywhere you tread, every place the sole of your foot steps on, I am with you. I am the Lord your God, and it's not about what's against you. It's about who's in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Get his identity. We get so consumed with finding ours that we never take the time to find his. Worship team, if you come. His identity. His identity. Who is he? Have you taken time to get to know who he is? Who he is? He said, I am. Who I am. The labels. The limits. See, Moses was looking for performance. I will. I do. Maybe he was looking for somebody with resource. I have. Maybe he was looking for someone with intention. I want. I want to heal you. I can restore you. But every label you use becomes a limit to what God could do. People put limits on God all the time. They forget that he's the I am. They forget that he's the I am. I pray today by the Holy Spirit that you will have eyes to see who He is. I pray today by the Holy Spirit you will see the I am God. I am what? That part He left to you. He said, I am. Would you stand with me? I am. I am. He is. Come on, just close your eyes. Just lift your hands. Just worship Him. Because He is who He says He is. I'm Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Rapha. I'm Jehovah Nisi. I'm a a deliverer. I'm a healer. I'm a restorer. How can one God be everything to everyone? Because He is I am. Because he is, I am. He says, I am. You're asking, what can he do? You're asking, what are your intentions? You're asking, what's possible? And he's saying, I am. I am. You're asking, what's your identity? What's your purpose? What's your design? What were you created to do? How can you fulfill it? And he's saying, I am. He's saying, get to know me.
and you'll get to know yourself. Get to know me and you'll get to know yourself better than you've ever known before. Get to know me. Get acquainted with me. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.